All right, so funny story. I was having such a good time this morning, I forgot to put my mic on. So we'll just use the handheld this time. That'll work just fine. But uh, yeah, there's so much fun things to do before church. You should come early sometime. There's all kinds of crazy stuff going on here. So uh, yeah, running around, doing all that stuff. But uh, wonderful, uh, wonderful to see everyone today. Um, glad that you're able to make it and uh, that at... I pray that uh, God's Spirit will be with us. So let's pray and invite, invite the Lord. Father in heaven, we pray that your Spirit will be here today and we will hear your voice and hear your call. And we will be ready to respond. In Jesus' name, amen. So I've entitled the message today, Call and Response. And that's actually kind of a term that comes from the music realm. That's a, a type of singing where you, you sing a part and then the larger group responds and things like that. But, but particularly in this context, it's related to this story. And really, we have today a very short story, but it's a short story in three parts. So we're going to take it on one piece at a time through these three parts. And we're going to be primarily in Luke chapter 5. So if you want to take one of the Bibles there in front of you and go to Luke chapter 5, you will be able to follow along with these texts. But if you'll recall, we took a little week off last Sabbath because the, uh, the folks from uh, uh, Glacier View Ranch were here, and that was a wonderful Sabbath. We had a great time with the, the young people leading us in our songs and appreciated uh, Brandon Westgate and his message he brought us. But, but now we're back on our theme, and we're back in the book of Luke, and we're in chapter 5, beginning in verse 27. So the question we've been asking ourselves for these several weeks, as we're kind of doing this slow walk in the book of Luke, is what do you believe about Jesus? And this is important. Because our perceptions lead to assumptions. And our assumptions lead to detailed expectations. And those expectations can bring us hope, but they can also sometimes blind our eyes when reality and expectation don't line up. And we see that happen quite a few times in these stories that we're looking at. We started this whole journey here with the story of Jesus going to Nazareth. And he begins to talk to the people of Nazareth, and he's saying things to them, and at first they really like it, but then, then what he says starts to go against what they expect. And if you'll remember, somehow in the course of his, his presentation, he went from them welcoming him at first to by the time the sermon was over, they wanted to throw him from a cliff. There was another incident that we talked about two weeks ago when Jesus heals a paralyzed man, but he also tells the man, your sins are forgiven, when I'll bet you there were a lot of people in the room that day that wanted to throw him off a cliff as well because he kept defying their expectations and challenging what they thought. You remember the question he asks them, I love it. He says, 
which is easier to say to the paralyzed man? Your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? It's such a great question because obviously we can't do either of those things, but Jesus can do both. However, the cost to him for one is a lot higher than the cost for the other. We've seen a lot of things so far. We've We've seen lepers who believe Jesus can do the impossible. The leper comes to Jesus and says, if you're willing, you can make me clean. There was nothing to suggest that could happen, but yet he believed Jesus could. And we saw how the goodness of Jesus overwhelmed the darkness. And everywhere he went, he was not made impure by touching that which was impure. Rather, he made what is impure pure through his touch. It's different than us. We had a story where there was a disciple named Peter who did what Jesus said, even though he knew better. They fished all night and didn't catch a thing, but Jesus said, go out there and throw your nets. And Peter said, this is stupid, but I'm going to do it because you said it. And he went out and threw his nets and got the biggest catch he'd ever got. There's a lesson here, and it goes along a little bit with what we heard in the children's story, that uh, grudging obedience is better than no obedience at all. So if that's all you can come up with, at least do that. Because at the end of the day, amazing things can happen, even if your heart wasn't completely in it. But if Jesus told you to do it, go do it, even if you don't want to. We have a story of how fish obey Jesus. I mean, in that case with the net, they swam right in there. We have seen that demons instantly recognize Jesus, yet humans don't. And then there's us. What do we believe about Jesus? And specifically today, what do you believe that Jesus came to do. Now, today's story definitely doesn't plumb the depths of that question fully, but it does point out a very significant element of Jesus' purpose, an element of his purpose that impacted his behavior and likely one that ought to impact our behavior as well. So call and response. A short story in three sections. Luke chapter 5, verse 27. After this, okay, what was this? This is after. This is after the story of the healing of the paralyzed man where he says your sins are forgiven and causes the uproar. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything... Levi rose and followed him. Now we understand this story to be the calling of Matthew, though here and in the parallel in Mark chapter 2, he's identified as Levi. But in the version of the story in the book of Matthew, he calls himself Matthew. And it is a very terse description of a very remarkable encounter. And it makes me wonder when I read this story, did they have contact before? Was Matthew already thinking about this? Had they had discussions along these lines? 
Was he a complete stranger? Were the disciples given time to pre-screen Matthew to make sure he was acceptable to the rest of the group? We don't have any of that data. All we have is this little story of Jesus walking past a tax collector booth and saying, hey, you, follow me. And then the guy gets up and follows Jesus. Now, one of the things to know when you read this story is tax collector is a synonym for people we hate. Okay? It's kind of a cliche word. And in, in fact, it's a cliche that even Jesus himself used. If you go to Matthew chapter 18, beginning in verse 15, this is the explanation of how we're to deal with conflict that we have with people. Listen to what Jesus says. Verse 15, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. And, and this is not what we're talking about today, but this is really good advice. If you have conflict, start with the person. Don't go somewhere else first. So that's what this is talking about. Verse 16, but if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. So the idea is the first time you try to settle it one-on-one. -on -one. If you can't, then, then bring some folks along who, who care about them and care about you, and maybe they can help you work it out. Verse 17, if he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. All right, if this is a big enough problem and it escalates to the point of being disruptive to the community, you bring it before the larger community. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, so we're talking about the ultimate, ultimate obstinate, unwilling to work with person, let him be to you as a Gentile or a tax collector. See, Jesus is using that phrase as a cliche to say the kind of person you can't do anything with. And who are they? Well, Gentile, that's me. <laughs> yeah, I'm in that group. And tax collectors, the people we hate. Yet, here is Jesus calling this man literally while he is sitting in the tax collector booth. Not when he was out doing good somewhere, when he's sitting there sinning. Or at least that would be the opinion of the, of the masses. Have you ever been astonished when you realize Jesus loved someone you hated? Does that ever hit home for you? Somebody driving you crazy and all of a sudden you're like, yeah, I kind of feel like Jesus loves this person. It's a very disturbing thought. Have you ever been annoyed by who Jesus lets into the kingdom? More on that in a moment. But first, let's consider Matthew's response. So call and response. The call is simple. It comes from Jesus. Follow me. And the first response I want you to notice is that Matthew did. Luke 5, verse 28. And leaving everything, 
he rose and followed him. Now that is bold obedience. You just get up, you throw the keys back in, and you're gone. We can only speculate on what exactly Matthew gave up. But that probably isn't the point anyway. It seems Matthew was focused solely on what he was about to gain. And I don't wonder if maybe we had asked Matthew the question, he would have answered that question. If we said, why did you let all that go to follow Jesus? That he might answer that question very much the way Paul does later on when he would write a letter to the Philippians, chapter 3, beginning in verse 7. He would write this letter and he would say, and I can imagine these words coming from Matthew or something very much like it. If he were asked, why did you do that? That he might say this, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things And count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection of the dead. Why would Matthew get up out of that tax collector booth where he had access to money and all kinds of things that we think we want? Because he saw something better. And he saw it in Jesus. And he said, I consider that rubbish compared to what I can gain by following Jesus. Not through the righteousness that is my own, but through the righteousness that is to me through him. So realize this. It doesn't matter where Jesus finds you. What matters is what you do after he calls you. Doesn't matter where he finds you. What matters is what you do when he calls you. Part two, Luke 5, verse 29. And Levi made him, Jesus, a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Call and response. The first response is Matthew, who gets up and follows Jesus. The second response of Matthew is that he arranges for Jesus to meet his friends. But Jesus' willingness first to call Matthew to his inner circle and then to engage with Matthew's friends causes stress among those who already think they know how Jesus should behave. We have to be very careful on this ground. 
this idea of believing we know exactly how Jesus needs to behave. Particularly when it comes to who Jesus will engage and who Jesus will exclude. And I got to warn you, there's two cliches here as well. There's the old one. Here's how the old one went. Those of you that are at least my age or older, maybe you know this one. The old cliche about Jesus was, Jesus will exclude bad people. That was the old one. But now there's a new one. The new one goes like this. Jesus won't exclude anyone. We've got to be careful with our statements. Now, I'm not saying Jesus won't call anyone, but let's not go around saying we know exactly what Jesus is going to do. And rather than waste our time on deciding who he's going to call and who he's not going to call, maybe instead we should focus on something else. And that is this. When he does call, get up and follow. Rather than worrying about whether he's calling them or not calling them or, or whatever, rather than worry about that, let's focus on when he calls you, when he calls me, get up and follow. The Pharisees would have done well to embrace this focus, but they were, after all, the leaders of the people and very much needed Jesus to align with their expectations if they were going to endorse him. That's always kind of a funny thing, isn't it? They're all, are you good enough to receive our official endorsement? It's a trap leaders fall into. And right now, Jesus was not being who they thought he should be. So let's go back to what we were talking about before. Have you ever been astonished when you realize Jesus loves someone you hated? Or have you ever been annoyed at who Jesus was letting into the kingdom? Matthew's response to Jesus' call was to immediately follow him and then to bring others to Jesus. The Pharisees' response to Jesus' call to Matthew was to be offended by Jesus' obvious lack of discernment and judgment. Why would you hang out with these people? And I can't help but wonder in that moment when the Pharisees and the scribes came to the disciples, the good ones, I can't help but wonder if in that moment they didn't think for a second in their own minds, yeah, Jesus, why are you doing this? Why are we here? Why aren't we in the important places? Why are we with the bad people? Which brings us to part three. Call and response, a short story in three parts. Part three, Luke chapter five, Verse 31, and Jesus answered them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. 
And here it is, another one of those conundrum statements. And in the way the story of Jesus will play out, we will see that many of the ones who most needed the physician were in fact the ones who didn't believe they were sick. Jesus is great at statements like this. Because he's only useful to you if you realize you need him. Now, don't miss the point here. It isn't better to be a tax collector or a sinner. In truth, in terms of lifestyle, many of the Pharisees were actually trying to be very good people. Some of you are trying to be very good people, and I thank you for that. I would rather you be good people than bad people. I'm not condoning the lifestyle of sinners. In fact, let me be on record here. I am against the idea of being opportunistic abusers and self-serving hedonists given to intemperate eating and alcohol consumption and dishonest business practices. In other words, tax collectors. That's what they did. And for the record, I'm against that. It's like the old story of the young man that went to church. His dad didn't go that day. And he, he said, what did he preach about? And the young guy said, sin. His dad asked, what did he say? He was against it. I'm against it. It doesn't mean it doesn't happen in my own life, but I'm against it. But I'm also against us being self-righteous jerks who end up in our presumed piety to be totally self-serving in our own way and hostile to those who Jesus is calling because they aren't as good as us. I'm against that too. Is it Jesus' primary purpose to save me first and then maybe you? Or maybe it's his primary purpose to save all of us in the room and then maybe them out there? These are not harmless questions. For to truly take these on with their implications could force us to take a different look at how we do things and how we think. You see, there were elements of Jesus' purpose that affected his behavior. And there should be elements of our purpose that affect our behavior. But we better get off this train of thought pretty fast lest a missionary zeal begin to break out in our hearts and we begin to challenge assumptions. Back to the words of Jesus, Luke chapter 5, verse 31. And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. First point, none of us is well, but that is good news because it means Jesus is calling all of us. If you were well, he wouldn't be calling you. 
So good news. Second point. Who you are does not stop Jesus from calling you, but who you are may stop you from following. You got to hear the call and respond. I invite the band to come back up. And just summarize with this. Matthew started out as a tax collector, but he ended up as a great church leader and a writer of a very important book of the Bible, all because he kept listening and following. What does it take to go from tax collector to great church leader? Listening and following. Never stop. It doesn't matter where you are today. What matters is do you hear Jesus calling? And if you do, what are you doing about it? Are you following him? The author of the book of Hebrews addresses this issue very well. Hebrews chapter 3, beginning in verse 7. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their hearts. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers and sisters, lest there be any of you with an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God, but exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. Maybe today you're still sitting in the tax collector booth. Or maybe you've been following Jesus for a little while. Or maybe you've been following Jesus for years. It matters not which of these is you. What matters is this. Today, do you hear his voice? Call and response. Do you hear the call? What is your response?